to, to be able to feel your way through the darkness, to be able to use your, your mind to illuminate that darkness and understand what it is that you're feeling, uh, being able to grab things with the prophetic and pull it in that's completely outside of your normal bubble. And then the vision, being able to put it into a clear, um, beautiful picture that then can be translated into the world. Hey family, it's Ren here. This is Inspired Astrology Podcast. Today's the 7th of January. I meant to get this report out yesterday um, for the planet Mars moved into the energy of Taurus. Um, But I spent the whole day glued to the television watching the insurrection at the Capitol. Um, It's it's kind of beyond words. Like, I'm not... uh, politically trained person, you know, but uh, spirituality and politics are very much intertwined because the energy that's playing out in the cosmos is presenting itself in front of us on our TVs and on our screens and in our neighborhoods and in our own lives. So it's really important to engage consciously with the news and media Um, I know that there is so much misrepresentation out there because of perceptions of truth and the way we as humans guard and protect what resonates with our belief system, what we've built up for ourselves and our personal paradigms. And interestingly enough, uh, next week I'll be inviting Pam Janicek on um, to talk about meditations on truth. And we'll talk more about that when she shows up. Um, But I just want to want to touch in with this energy from yesterday. I I wrote about it and I looked at the tensions in the chart. Um, Basically, you know, the moon being in Libra was a bit in conflict with Pluto uh, and Mercury. (laughs) And then we have this opposition between Mars. Mars is almost connected with Uranus. Um, as far as a conjunction goes, and they are square to that stellium that's moving from Capricorn into Aquarius. Um, I'm one to try to look into the high side of things and um, for potentials, the highest potential for the greatest good of all involved. Um, But certainly this is a tension um, when Mars is moving from one sign into the next and you know, I feel like as far as interpretation goes, this was an, a learning opportunity for me um, to see what the last degree of Aries looks like. So Mars was in Aries for six months and in retrograde for a huge chunk of that period. And um, certainly there was a lot of information out there about times when Mercury, I'm sorry, Mars was in retrograde. Um, And then we have these Saturn-Uranus square potentials, which is some of the biggest astrology of this year. And we'll talk more about that as we move into the the annual report. Um, The Civil War (laughs) was the last time that there was kind of this energetic setup. And I think I've talked about that in reports before. And I, I, uh, I... 
feel like maybe we were all like we're all sort of trained at this point that nothing shocks us, you know, between a pandemic, between a lifetime filled with war in the Middle East through domestic terrorism in the United States. Um, I feel a little burned out. I feel like my generation, I'm, I'm 36. I don't know what it's like to be anybody else um, but me, <laughs> but certainly it's there's a jadedness that comes with the amount of violence that we've experienced, the amount of decay to society that we see happen. And then, you know, rebuilding, it's always rebuilding, the replenishment, destruction, and reconstruction, creative energy. And funny enough, that's a that's a big topic of conversation today with our guest, Dustin Oliverson, who is a Mason, who studies mysticism, who is a, is a musician. Um, we talk specifically about the destructive creative energy that is, is part of uh, the worldly experience, the material world experience. You know, so Mars representing our passion, our assertiveness, what's mine. In, from At least from Milwaukee, I mean, what I'm seeing is all of this is playing out in the public sphere. And um, this woundedness about like my identity and who am I and, and that pressure against these old systems, right? Pluto is still doing its work in Capricorn. And you have to remember that the United States is going through a Pluto return. So let's talk about that just for a moment. Um, I am not a master on this specific subject. I know that there's a lot of astrologers who put a lot of energy into this specific thing. So you're going to get the brush over here. Um, no human can go through a Pluto return, right? We have a, we have a Saturn return that, that, you know, people are very aware of, um, you know, that happens in our late 20s and again in, in our um, late to mid 50s. We have Uranus returns. We, I mean, we have lots of things that happen in our lifetime, but we're we're mortal, and so we have a very short span. Can I mean, life is long, but it's short. Um, but a, a a company or a culture or a country can have a Pluto return, and that happened this year. You know, it's it, it's this lengthy cycle that comes around, but right around the 4th of July is when Pluto triggered Pluto in the chart of the United States. Pluto is about soul transformation. And what did we see happening this summer? We saw protests. We saw cities burning. We saw so much change, so much friction and fighting against the way that it used to be and where we're trying to go against patriarchy and, and feminism or humanism in, it, in its greatest format for all, the highest good for all involved. So to see this happening in my culture and for me to be a white human and to see white humans storming the Capitol, it's, it's a fucking disgrace. It's disturbing to see an insurrection such as this, not a peaceful protest. If those humans on the Capitol steps had been brown or black, this would have been a completely different story. And look at the news feeds. Listen to the black women, the black leaders out there that are commenting on this circumstance 
I I can't even say it's privilege. It's something beyond that. That's white power. This is white supremacy playing out in front of us. I am am not in a position to speak on that level of understanding or consciousness when it comes to politics and and race and these very human matters. But I know that I, I was crying and weeping and sad the desecration of the Capitol building, which is supposed to be our house, which represents these ideals of a government to serve the people. And we're seeing corruption and and, uh, polarization, which is really disturbing. Um, You know, think about if we can't trust our, our police who are uniformed the way that our military are uniformed as an equalizer as a a common goal, a common good. And we're seeing that we can't trust, we can't trust the military police or the the Capitol police who were there, who it appeared, and I'm not verifying this, but it appeared that they let the protesters, or that's not even the right word, um, the mob, (laughs) uh, that they let them through, that that there was no stopping this. And... I'm not trying to start a conspiracy, okay, people? Like, I, I'm just, I've been glued to the television. I'm telling you what I saw, and I saw bedlam. I saw destruction, windows being broken in. A woman was shot and died. There were three other people who had medical issues that came up and, and died during just this few hours. A coup, an attempted coup. And um, I am disgusted with Trump. Um, I've said this before that I, I, I send him Reiki. He's part of our consciousness. He is, if we're all one, <laughs> we have to be one. We can't have it both ways. And so that means that this fracture in our psyche, in our collective consciousness, he's a part of that. All of those, all of those people yesterday were a part of that fracture of ego, of not getting what you want. I don't know what to say. I'm just, the long view here is that a Pluto return for a country should be about the soul transformation and the movement towards the soul purpose of this nation, which I feel, albeit founded on white supremacy, and land stealing and murder (laughs) and fighting. Um, I feel like there's a greater goal here. I mean, when I look at the chart of the United States, it's a cancer. It, it wants, it wants to nurture. It wants to take care of more people. And there's some ways that we're super good at that. And then there are other ways that we just fail miserably. And the more conscious that we all are of the the way that we participate in democracy, the way that the way that we make change, um, Georgia's win yesterday was massive. It it shifts it shifts things to democratic, and it gives a lot more potential for good to come. And I want to thank all of the black women, the black leaders, the individuals who showed up, the volunteers who called. The Democratic Party. Um, it's pretty obviously, you know, obvious where I stand on uh, on this side of history, so to speak. Um, I care about people. 
and I care about this country and its potential. Um, I'm just, I'm really saddened by the events of yesterday, but these things have to come to the surface. This is how karma uh, ameliorates itself, how it comes and heals by moving to the surface because it wasn't dealt with prior to. Um, and that's part of the conversation that we have with Dustin Oliverson today, too, was um, the healing process. I mean, he'll share his story. Uh, Dustin fell off a roof, 26 feet, stuck the landing, re-committed his foot to his ankle. <laughs> um, and he talks about that healing process for himself, how things were not being dealt with in his life and that it, uh, it manifested itself in a physical illness. And I think that's the story of what's happening right now, is that things that are not being dealt with on the spiritual, mental, emotional, collaborative level is now playing out in the physical and the material realm because we're not dealing with it. So that's just my perspective. I'll get off my soapbox. Um, <laughs> so welcome to 2021. Uh, I invited Dustin on uh, to the show today because he is a New Year's Eve baby. He's a Capricorn, Sagittarius rising, Cancer moon, um, all very uh, in tune with the energy of right now. Dustin and I have known each other since 2007 and have studied Reiki together um, under uh, our master teacher, Diane Sweet, since then. Um, And... He is a dear friend. I've spent hundreds and hundreds of hours in classes with him and have uh, experienced many sacred initiations uh, into Reiki and into service with him by my side. He's a dear friend, a dear, dear friend. Um, and he's fun and he's a musician and there's lots of good things. So anyway, he's, he's our guest today. Um, I did want to talk a little bit about what's happening astrologically. You know, we made it through a big full moon in Cancer. We made it past the Jupiter-Saturn conjunction in Aquarius. And we have a lot of Aquarian energy coming up this year. And so independence is the theme. Moving from old systems, old thoughts, old structures, old ways of being into a more aligned version of yourself. Um, we have some really great energy happening this year. There's good stuff. There's tense stuff. Um, I mean, I think, I think the main thing that we're vibing with is Saturn square Uranus. So let's think about Saturn. Um, we've had a lot of Saturn and Capricorn this last year. And so Saturn moving into an air sign, um, Let's talk about air for a minute. Anyone else feeling ungrounded? <laughs> Let's talk about that for a minute. Uh, I I just get this sense like I just I feel like I'm not um, in my body a lot of the time. I haven't been sleeping well uh, for a couple weeks now, which is not really my style. Um, and I just feel very heady. You know, there's a lot of thinking and thoughting and working my way through a lot of things. Um, and so Saturn and Aquarius, like that, you know, Jupiter and Aquarius, there is going to be sort of this expansive feeling of the thought realm. Um, a lot of planning, a lot of long-term perspective, uh, grounding some ideas, getting yourself settled into a space of like, okay, life. 
Saturn really does, uh, and Jupiter, both have this sense of time connected to them. But I think of Saturn more specifically when it comes to time and fears and aging and restrictions that come with aging, etc. So there, this is a, this is a time to kind of get your mental mental health uh, attending to these things. Um, I think that that's that's really something that I would like to encourage. And if you haven't heard the episode "Staying Grounded in the Age of Air," please, please, please go back and listen to that interview with Sarah White. Uh, I can't say enough about um, being able to invite a therapist on here to chat specifically about boundary work and how we stay grounded uh, and and create self-care routines that are not surrounding face masks and bath time and nail polish salons, okay? You know, this is, this is about doing the mental and um, social work that creates safety for ourselves, for our, our safeguarding of our well-being. You have the power to say no. Um, so Saturn square Uranus. Um, typically this is, oh man, I, I just think about all the different times in history, um, that this energy has stepped in and created great tensions, um, during wars, um, I think of the early nineties, Rodney King's incident specifically comes to mind. Um, so we have, you know, Saturn fears structure dominance, the way things are the system that be and Uranus being the expect the unexpected, the chaos factor, the, the lightning bolt, the revolting, the revolution, that word that comes from revolt. We have a couple squares this year with that. So just just keeping in mind, um, February 17th, June 14th, and December 24th. All of these are happening um, between 7 and 13 degrees of Aquarius and the opposite sign Taurus. I mean, not opposite, pardon me, square, the squared sign of Taurus, pardon me. So if you have a fixed sign in your, in a fixed sign of um, Taurus, Leo, Scorpio, or Aquarius, right? Consider those in your chart makeup. Any planets, sun, moon, you know, you name it, right? Taurus, Leo, Scorpio, Aquarius. These fixed signs, if you have anything in the between 7 and 13 degrees, that means that these energies are going to, these are going to affect you a little more. Okay, um, this doesn't mean that you're going to get zapped. <laughs> uh, I mean, Uranus is very um, unexpected. I think that's the best way to describe the energy of Uranus. But um, I don't, I don't want to scare you. I mean, these. I had Uranus uh, transit over my son in 2012, and I was like, "Oh man, I'm going to blow up or something weird's going to happen." And I even spent the day in meditation just to see what what it might feel like or what that was going to feel like for me and um I mean I I felt something but maybe it was in my head right but it's not like you you're gonna 
you're going to combust <laughs> spontaneously when you have these sort of uh, friction points in your chart. You know, it, it's just a matter of reading the energy as it comes up, uh, listening to your intuition, to the tiny voice inside of you. Um, you know, we, we do that by listening to our mind, paying attention to our mental and physical and emotional landscape. Uh, just pay attention to yourself, you know, read... <laughs> Read the signs, you know, be patient. Um, this is all very workable. You know, so there's drama, change, boiling, bursting, breakthrough, stirring, agitation, resistance, pushing, breakthroughs. You know, those are the kind of words that are associated with this energy of Saturn, square Uranus. Major shifts moving into authenticity liberation. This is an exciting time. Um, the good things this year is Saturn, not Saturn, <laughs> Jupiter. I'm looking at glyphs in my notes here and it's like, I think that I'm just overwhelmed and underslept. So Jupiter will be moving into Pisces between May and July the end of July. So mid-May to yeah May 13th through July 28th. Jupiter will slip into Pisces and then back into Aquarius. So um, those of us who have um, early degree of Pisces, like think 012, um, just, just, uh, just wait. This should be a really, really interesting time. Um, it should be filled with blessings and kind of a, a nourishment that will come in. You know, this water, um, vitality, healing, opportunities, activations. And I think that it'll help us kind of get unstuck from some of that that dry air energy that comes in at the beginning of the year. Um, a lot of thinking, a lot of thinky pain, as my favorite Mark Maron would say. Um, I love Mark Maron, just saying. Okay, so... Daydreaming. Felt sensitivity. Time to express feelings this summer. Lots of good stuff. Lots of nourishment at a soul level there. Um, well, we'll move on. I feel like, you know, that's kind of a good good concepts of the year ahead. We have some revolution. We have some nourishment, some, some warm fuzzies. Um, Venus is going to be doing some nice activations in Libra and Pisces and Taurus this year. Um, lots of sweet energy there. Lots of receptivity there. So just pay attention, listen to your body, listen to yourself. Well, let's get Dustin up here. <laughs> um, again, Dustin Oliverson talking about his experience with Reiki, his life experience. Um, such a beautiful soul. And, you know, we did a we did a pre-interview. And when I asked him, how do you want me to introduce yourself? You know, when you're, you know, Reiki master in training, you're a musician, a drummer, father of an Aquarian. And he said, I'm just a human being. I'm a human doing. A soul coming into recognition of itself. And um, we talked a lot about the mystical. I, I wish that I would have uh, recorded our first conversation. But, you know, being a, a student of the mysteries, you know, mysteries are things that are intriguing. Um, it's a general feeling that there is more to life 
And I think that's why I started this this podcast to kind of get information out there and to get different perspectives. Um, because you don't have to accept things at face value. It's about discernment, discernment, continuity, the, the magic of our lives. You know, not magic as in waving wands and Harry Potter kind of stuff, but ordinary magic. You know, seeing the connections of the cosmos, the, uh, the divine interventions, the moments of clarity, uh, the connections with strangers, those magical nights where so much happens in such a short amount of time. And learning not to chase that, but allowing the receptivity into that, that realm. So thank you for listening. Uh, I'm so grateful to have you here. So this is my friend, Dustin Oliverson. I'm going to say that again. (laughs) It's a mouthful. It's a mouthful. This is Dustin Oliverson, um, who I've known since, I guess, 2007. Yeah. Yeah. And I've invited him to be here with us um, to talk about his story and what it's like to be a Capricorn. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, boy. Um, so like, I love to ask the question to my guests, um, you know, to tell me about the soil that you came up in. You know, what, what was, what's your story? Tell us about yourself. Sure. Um, well, I was born in the early 70s. And so in 71 so there was a lot of uh upheaval and change kind of going on and so i had parents that were more into the they were young and into the alternative lifestyles and so my early years were um, very much about being on the land and providing the land providing us what we need um gardening um, crafting, hunting, fishing, um, use of tools and whatnot to um, uh, make our way and do it in a sustainable and friendly way. And so that was a very wonderful experience. And then um, probably six or seven uh, years of that and then moved into town and became more of a city kid. Yeah. Was that in, that was in Iowa, right? That's in Iowa. I came from, uh, Oskaloosa area. So that's Mm -hmm. Southeast Iowa. And so it, that kind of set me on a path of being, um, I would say, uh, being frugal, but, um, being thoughtful and, um, creative at the same time. So, uh, it was, it was a good base, I would say. And family often said that, um, you know, how often they'll say, oh, it looks like you can look in his eyes and see that he's just an old soul. But but I would agree with that. Um, Even at a young age, I recognized that I knew things that I hadn't studied. I hadn't been told. I just had understandings and ways of being that were different from a lot of people. And those things have kind of grown through the years uh those abilities have um shown themselves and proven themselves intuitively to the point that um i i'll make a lot of decisions intuitively and 
not know why or how or what's going to happen, but the the direction or the trajectory. I talk a lot about trajectory being mm. facing in the correct direction and just allowing space to move me through that space to where I'm going happily, you know, joyously um, making my way uh, without getting too attached um, to all that is going on or the dramas of life and the trappings. And uh, it, it makes for um, kind of a, uh, an unfettered approach uh, to life. Going with the flow is the easiest way to put it, but that yeah. was the long Well, that's a, yeah. <laughs> well, it sounds so much like a sun Capricorn Sagittarius rising, you know, to joyously move towards the end goal. That's right. I can, yeah, I have the, the ability, uh, the ability to make leaps, uh, just, it's a lot of planning. So there's a lot of quiet planning, um, that is involved or recognition of what is in, in the next step. And sometimes, you know, because we become attached emotionally to things, we might know the step that needs to t- be taken and we're not willing to do it. So it's more the work that I do nowadays is, um, emotionally not being attached to the point that it prevents me from moving. Um, And then I I am able to find that footing and make leaps that look amazing to others that are onlookers. Mm. I spent time with some family over my birthday just happened. It's the 31st of December. So I'm a New Year's Eve baby. Everybody uh, celebrates my birthday. So that'd be wonderful. (laughs) But I was with family and my brother-in-law was talking about the business that I run and thinks it's just amazing all the things I juggle and keep going. And I really don't see that anymore because that's just become a way of life. So it doesn't seem amazing to me. It just seems like life. But from him, from an outside looker, it appears that there's a lot of balls in the air. There's a lot of uh, um, kind of uh, skill that it would take to kind of balance those things and timing and uh and planning and not to drop things which of course i drop things but um hopefully not bricks yeah right mason no yeah we i do masonry uh that that's kind of a craft in i find it meditative uh to to have a masonry company and do restoration masonry um and an act of service to the building the soul of the building the soul of the community and to the people who inhabit those um, structures. So there's another way that, you know, another outlet spiritually and, um, and in the physical world that I can uh, contribute. Oh, that's that moon and cancer talking right there about, <laughs> you know, the heart, the heart of a, a building and the people that dwell there. That's right. That's beautiful. Yeah. I mean, when I asked you how you wanted me to introduce you in our, in our pre-interview, <laughs> you know, I was like, well, you know, owner of Atlas Masonry in Des Moines, Iowa. Like, I mean, you're a master Mason and I've been running this business and successfully with a lot of service being a small company um, in the Des Moines area. But, you know, you're, you're going to, you're a Reiki master in training, you know, and that, that is coming up on the, on the horizon to receive mastership training in our lineage. You're the father of an Aquarian. Oh boy. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) 
But but when I when I asked you that, you said, "Well, I'm I'm a human being. I'm a human doing yep. a, a soul coming into recognition of itself." That's right. And I mean, even masonry, we, there's so much uh, context in in mystical thinking, or at least in the mystery schools, this this concept of masonry. And I would just love to hear anything you have to share about that, about your experience. Sure. Um, now. Generally, uh, if I had thought enough to make a little list, there's there are spiritual principles that are interwoven in the teachings of masonry. And there's there's two kinds of masons. There's the speculative mason, which works out to be um, like the York Rite and the Scottish Rite of the Masonic Lodge and the Brotherhood. And then there's an operative, which I more so embody that in this moment. Um, I, I'm a person who actually performs the, the, the task of masonry, but, um, keeping things on the level, uh, is one phrase that masons would use. And, and that's about, that's a spiritual integrity, um, not doing something for your own benefit, but doing something because it's right and teaching those, um, those principles and there's a whole bunch of them that I, I can't be, I, I can't think of right now, but they're these spiritual principles that are embedded. So the master Mason, not only am I moving from builder to architect um, as a master Mason, I am uh, I'm shepherding people spiritually as well. And I'm building them from uh, laborer to builder to, master mason and and it takes a lot and in those steps it kind of lays out the if you look at like the laborer they're just kind of a physical body doing they're here they're being they're showing up they're moving things from one place to another and this is on the operative side and the spiritual side can be brought out in this but they're they're just kind of here and they're doing and then so then you have the builder and they're uh they're aware of things and they have this craft or this ability much like a mystic, they, they can perform these rituals, which would be the laying of the brick and then make something, create something that it's much more beautiful than, than the laborer can do. They don't have that skill or their, their knowledge isn't um, pedestaled at that point. And then the master Mason to move to the next, they're aware of all those things and beyond because they're creating their, they draw the drawings, they do the calculations with geometry. And then when you take it a step further to sacred geometry, you're, you're using ratios that are in nature, and then you're replicating those in an, a, a not natural way um, to achieve something that is uh, more beautiful than, um, because nature just creates the most beautiful um, structure and and i love the phrase like nature never hurries it's always on time you know we practice that so with the masons as they're kind of uh working for me so that this is simply employment but it's not just that because i'm also working with where they're at emotionally mentally physically and we're building on that every day we we have lessons about um the ways of being in the world and how to treat other people and how to treat equipment. And, and we talk a lot about those things, um, giving service back to 
our community, which is our Masons and our other uh, brothers and being um, kind of interconnected, knowing that each step, um, each word we say, each movement we do connects to the other that we're in communion with. And it, it slowly, they slowly unlock and see that. And the ones that have been with me for quite a few years, um, they are very integrated into that kind of way of being. And we can kind of tell soon if, uh, if a person who comes in and, and starts working for us, we know rather quickly if they're going to be a good fit and be able to hack it out. But, but we don't really push people out. We allow them the time to kind of come to their own sense that, that maybe where they're at, they've served the, it's served the purpose that it needed to and to move on. So it's very organic. It, it's uh, and it's beautiful in that way, symbiotic. So on one side, it's just a job and it's, uh, pays the paycheck and their learning skill and whatnot. That's the, this reality. But when we kind of move into another reality, you know, emotionally, mentally, physically, we're building upon uh, these people to evolve. And that's one of my tenets in life is to help shepherd people to a greater awareness and evolvement um, for the good of, of all in the, on this planet. All be- well, gosh, are you hiring right now? <laughs> Always. <laughs> Always, yeah. yeah. Well, you, you mentioned even with the way that you're describing the functions of masonry and, you know, speculative and so forth. You mentioned the three levels. That's right. And, yeah, so we have magical, mystical, and esoteric function, which we all enter on the magical Absolutely. level, right? Yeah, and that's the idea of like, oh, if I turn around three times and cast this ritualistic spell, then I will get what I want. Sometimes. Right? <laughs> Sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> Energy goes out threefold and comes around. Yep. Um, you know, and the, and the mystical is about this idea of like working with tools or information so that, that you can work with That's reality. Right. And then esoteric is about recognizing that you are reality. You're a part of the, the whole that's, yeah that's right yeah. and so it's all interconnected at that point so then right. you become very aware of how you move through the world you're it's at first it feels like being over conscious and like um, maybe nervous about moving through life when you become that aware or um, that plugged into it but I think over time you trust that whatever move you make, there is no wrong moves in life. I believe there are things that, you know, maybe don't agree um, with society or with you personally, but it's always an opportunity to requalify energy. And and that's important to know um, when we're moving through life that we're not making bad choices or wrong choices. We could just always make better choices and less self-serving. Often we can make choices that are good for, for everybody. And I think those are important points to, to think about. So that's something that, uh, you know, I, I meditate on and you mentioned Reiki so we can kind of transition there. I've been studying Reiki for 15 years. Let's see. 
no, uh, 11 years. And uh, it's been very important in uh, kind of reorienting or kind of going back to what we had said, the trajectory um, facing the light being, you know, seeing the path, having clarity in thought uh, and uh, working through emotional buttons, seeing which ones uh, buttons get pushed and, and why those come up and if they're self-serving or if they're, uh, serving a greater purpose. I often think about, um, I, I came into the world, I think with kind of a destructive nature. And as I've gotten older, I, I understand that, can, uh, to be a creator in this world, which I'm also a musician, I'll tab that in there. And to be a creator, we have to destroy the old structures to create the new. And so instead of seeing destruction as bad, um, or even in my masonry, I can put it that way as well, I have to remove or take away the decay or the things that don't work to remake something in a more beautiful way or to remove flaws to allow something to move and flow at a much greater rate. So... Um, working with energy, I think, has always been important uh, to me. I, we can kind of transition into how we talk about the feeling gifts and, and the mental gifts and the prophetic and the visionary. And uh, to, to be able to feel your way through the darkness, to be able to use your, your mind to illuminate that darkness and understand what it is that you're feeling, uh, being able to grab things with the prophetic and pull it in. That's completely outside of your normal bubble. And then the vision being able to put it into a clear, um, beautiful picture that then can be translated into the world, working with those four gifts and, uh, realization of energy once again i apply those to all facets of life uh, my personal life my musical life my working life with masonry and energy work and working with others to help them make realizations that can then unlock new understandings and ways of being for them You just summed up the the perceptual gifts or the four faces of self is what you know, our teacher calls it, you know, they're related to the Carl Jung archetypes mm -hmm. of perception. Uh, they're used in astrology, yeah. you know, and I think, I mean, you just, you just sort of gave the lay of the land about how we use those in, in a perceptual way. So just like we all have an astrology makeup, we have a perceptual makeup. And I mean, you just described that so beautifully. I, I appreciate you bringing that up. And you talked earlier about the emotional development. Um, and we talked about that a little bit mm -hmm. in our pre-interview. Um, I'd, I'd love to hear like what you have to offer about that. I, I definitely want to talk about Reiki. We've sent, we've spent hundreds of hours That's in true. classes together. <laughs> yeah. But to see where you're at with your emotional development and sort of shining the flashlight of the mental mm -hmm. onto the emotional, as we say. Yeah. Um, I had thought about this um, a little bit 
through the day after we had we had chatted and I I've been pondering a concept on on emotional um evolvement that then when we move into that mental space because it's easy to move into the mental space and be rational and disregard some of the emotional stuff just as it's easy to lean on the emotional stuff and 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 disregard some of the mental mental items and so i guess as i'm kind of moving out of more of a, an emotional based person into a more mental based person i want to be sure that um that I use the two, I, I think about the structure, the, the strongest structure in the universe is a, is a triangle. It's three points, three sides, and it has the strongest structure. And I think about in the phrase in my mind that comes up a lot is two to make three. So if I were to relate um, the hemisphere uh, of our brains. We have two hemispheres of our brain. We um, think in uh, a dualistic way. We're a duality um, reality, but we're a trinity consciousness. And so the important thing to remember is there's two sides, a north and a south pole, or a positive and a negative pole, or however you want to term it in, in binary term. But to think about taking those, those two points of view or two energetic ways of being and focusing them into one single point. Um, and I often think of that point being above me, which would be um, the first letdown of soul from uh, the nearest to my body, the egg. And it's the third part of that triangle. So I have my heart, my mind, and then it it points to this third point that is outside of me, but it's two to make three. And so that third way then becomes this uh, this energy um, anchor that I'm able to pull down the high level energy down to this anchor point. And then I ground that in the, the two other points, which are me. And with that, I feel that I am uh, I am evolving at a greater rate um, with that concept and with that that style of energy work because I'm I'm not polarized in one uh, way I'm not polarized in a, an emotional way and I'm not polarized in a mental way so my mental attitudes can still feel very warm and, um, and fun and joyous. And uh, on the other side of it, my emotional um, output then can not appear to be a drama or it cannot appear to be aloof. Mm -hmm. It, uh, it tempers each other in a way that I'm getting the maximum acuity from each gift or each uh, polarization. And 
slowly as I do that, I become less emotionally connected, almost uh, in a disconnect way, but not, you know, in a sociopathic way. <laughs> I, <laughs> yeah. uh, but I am not, I'm not forging ahead based on um, irrational emotional output. Same with, I'm not rationalizing uh, coldly and just making decisions based on, uh, say, numbers or events that are just clearly seen. And so it's, it rounds that out and it makes it powerful. And I really feel that that is making me a better human. I really do. And, and I like to share that point of view something I sit and think about a lot and I have a lot of time to sit and contemplate just some downtime and quiet time. And I like to kind of think of that. And, and I talk to friends and family about that because I think that's an important uh, point to think about. Um, how do you think, how do you think it works with human attachment? You know, cause I think attachment disorders are pretty, pretty interesting topic. I know a lot of people are, are trying to figure sure. out their attachment style and, you know, the, these concepts of impermanence. And last year, the grief we're still experiencing now of, of letting go of things that we mm -hmm. don't really have control over. So with you working to balance the mental and emotional um, realities inside of you, how, how is that affected? Because the way that you described you know, I'm not attaching to things. I'm not aloof. I'm not sociopathic. But sure. Can you describe um, more of that? So let me orient here. If let's say we have, how about the mentally? Oh, so, okay. So mentally I would have the understanding of how something is. Uh, let's let's talk about death because that's a hard one and, and grief and death. Um, often people have to grieve a long time. And when they finally realize what they're grieving, it's it's the attachment that um, they they view as disconnected when one transitions from this world into the next. And um, I have. Uh, family and friends that I talk a lot about this and I have a, a different viewpoint. I, I find joy um, and find um, peace and love and wishes for those who are embarking on to the next, um, the next life, the, ne the, the afterlife or, or whatever that may be to, to you, you know, whomever is listening so with just having that mental standpoint that, you know, of course, I recognize that with them not in the world, they're physically not here. But when I create a connection with somebody, uh, I feel that connection forever. I've, I've created connections all through my life with friends and, and family and um, relationships. And um, those connections, I've not extinguished any of those connections and nor would I because we're never alone in never. spirit we're, we're never alone connected. in so spirit. those who then transition um I just don't have the same viewpoint 
that I have to grieve their transition, um, I may look at, you know, sure, I would like to go over and talk to somebody or I would, I would like to, you know, have done these things, but I, I don't live with regret in that way. I, if I need to say something, I say it. And if I need to, if I want to visit that person, I visit them. If I want to call them, I call them. So, you know, that's the intuitive nature there as well. And, and being connected, um, we, we follow through on those things. I, I don't regret things because I do them. Um, I, I see life as uh, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a moment and I have just so much time, which I have no idea how long that will be. So I try to live fully every moment that I can to make sure that, you know, if, if, and when it is my time, I have done the most I could with my life. And so I've packed a lot in, in the 49 years I've been here. That's for sure. Yes, you have. Yeah. It's, it's so interesting that you just, de- you describe yourself like a, you know, That's right. once a destructor, now a creator. Um, Cause when we first met, you were drummer right. in wreckage of a modern city, which that name That's is right. right there with the destruction tendency. So let's talk about Mohawk dust in okay. circa 2007 and you finding sure. our master, our Reiki master. And to, I, I want to clarify that term master is uh, she is a master of the discipline of Reiki. And that is, that is not taken lightly from the two here speaking. I think, um, you know, it's, it's someone who has spent years discerning and working with the energy. So it's not like, you know, she's in charge of us, but she's in charge of our learning process of this particular discipline. Um, So prior to, so my life before meeting Diane would have been I would have been a touring drummer in a rock band and I held down menial jobs to pay the rent but I was uh, alive with a fire grate of creativity and travel and uh, togetherness but it was it was fairly single pointed at that point. I of course had friends and relationship, but it was very, very much about my experience in the world and in my aspirations. <laughs> it was about me a little bit. So, <laughs> but then I, uh, along that path, I had been um, married and, uh, met a, a wonderful woman and she uh, she like me had a very spiritual um, upbringing uh, mine was different than hers uh, but we came together in many ways and we were able to um, explore some of that kind of early on and we moved to Des Moines and we were living here and then we had decided to um, we were at that precipice of we'd been to, uh, married for seven years and were we going to have children and were we going to be together for, you know, another round. And there was a lot of kind of tensions 
and um, I was still uh, just starting the the business, uh, the masonry business, um, a few years uh, before we had kind of decided that there was a path that was going to, it was going to diverge and we were going to walk separate paths. And, and at that point, she then started kind of reaching out and looking for uh, where she was going to kind of go and what was going to happen. And she went to a class at Morning Light Bookstore and it was Diane's class and she'd walked in and did the class. And, and at the end, uh, Diane was talking to her and kind of getting to know her. And she said, where's your husband? He, he was supposed to be here. And, uh, she then said, uh, well, I, you know, I'll mention it to him and see what happens. And then I actually came the next week after that. And then I went every week pretty much for the next, I think, seven years uh, straight. So <laughs> when I went there, um, I was, I felt very challenged energetically. Uh, but I also heard a lot of wisdom and um, I, I really enjoyed the topics and uh, then allowed myself to uh, become you know, impressed upon with energy. And, uh, at that point, uh, then began to study Reiki and really decided that that was my path was to, um, allow the Reiki rotor rooter to come through and kind of get all that muck that was stuck in me energetically, allow it to be, uh, looked at, what needed to stay stayed, what needed to go to go. And, uh, and then I basically started a practice of Reiki, which is, you know, the simple first degree uh, practice. It's a lot of uh, self-healing and Hey friends, look what I, I, I do. And, uh, and have you heard about this and a lot of excitement in that. And then uh, the next level really became, okay, how to facilitate others um, to find the joy in, learning Reiki and, and doing that. And, um, and along that path, making the commitment then to move on to the next level to then want to, um, be able to, uh, initiate others into it as well as teach and keep the lineage, um, alive and the information as clear as possible. And, uh, you and I took that next step in 2013 together. And, and so that's been seven years since we've kind of made that commitment and we're still working at it. And I think that that is different than most, uh, that learn the, uh, art of Reiki. They, um, they're often kind of just given either minimal information and training or, they're given something and it's kind of just dumped in their lap and, and they don't really have the opportunity that we have to have a person so invested in us in a long-term way to groom us and to, to help us grow, you know, almost being the gardener and helping plant the seed and water the seed and then helping to prune the little plant and then, you know, eventually bringing us to flower and fruit. So, um, it, you know, what a, you can say what a lucky chance that all that happened or 
what a divine um, a divine way a path to to open up but when these divine opportunities open up it's really up to us to step on that path and continue that walk um, doors open all the time and doors shut all the time but it's us that have to make the the realization and take the time and the energy to then step in and know what we're doing and or learn as we go and um, committed to working every day doing that. Okay, so I, w- I want to step back into the Reiki sure. conversation because um, we, we finished up the concept of like gardening and the, and the you know, the way that you've been working with it. Mm-hmm. And I just, you know, want to touch in for others who have, um, have taken Reiki, uh, you know, in modern lineages after Lady Takata, there have been lots of teachers who um, were poorly trained uh, by some that decided that it was easier to make more money or to have more power or prestige from teaching larger audiences. And um, what we see happen there are those students who get kind of a quick and dirty introduction to Reiki that they are enthusiastic. Just like you said, Reiki one, the first degree level, you get really excited and you want to tell everyone about it and you want to do it on yourself and you want to do it on your plants and on your friends Um, but often there's this like, well, I need to know more because we're human, right? We're curious and that's what we do. And, and if the teacher doesn't have the discernment or is just interested in in money, or maybe they were improperly trained, Mm -hmm. they're going to go ahead and initiate other people the way that they were initiated. That's right. Which is, is kind of an accelerated process without, um, I don't want to say without, maybe there's an integration uh, issue <laughs> that comes up, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and and you know we've always said that it's it's hard not to be. We sound like elitists or something like that, but I think it's just more of uh, really feeling blessed to have found the teacher that was willing to really do the work with us. Absolutely, and that's that's rare to find. Um, so between between Reiki two and Reiki three, you had an experience that was pretty life changing and very affirming to your experience with Reiki. And I was wondering if you had a couple minutes to share about that. Sure. Um, we were doing restoration on, and when I say we, uh, my business partner and I were doing restoration on a mansion at a uh, his, historical. Uh, site called living history farms and so they have all sorts of uh, living uh, farms from different eras uh, 17 1700s 1800s and 1900s using different machinery and uh, different techniques of those times and allowing people to come out and kind of see what it looked like of those times and so there's a beautiful educational center it's yeah education so there's a beautiful mansion that's out there called the Flynn Mansion, and we were lucky enough to be restoring its chimneys and uh, some of its brickwork. And I had uh, had a long day, and I was climbing up the scaffold for the last bit of the day to get things covered up and uh, to finish, and um, lost my uh, my hand, my hold on the bars, and. I had machinery below me and had to make a quick decision to kind of push myself out and off so I didn't fall down below onto the machinery and uh, was able to do that. But I fell 26 feet and um, landed right on my 
my legs, my ankles, and, and I ended up uh, breaking uh, one ankle, three bones, uh, crushed down two inches uh, down into the ankle, and then uh, I broke uh, my knee on the other side and dislocated the ankle uh, on that same side. And so it was quite excruciating. And so it took a lot of wherewithal to kind of stay grounded in the moment. I had a crew of people there that I had to direct and be able to get keys out and, and kind of explain to them everything they needed to do to finish the day as I was being going to be carted away in an ambulance. And uh, so a lot of meditation um, I was using to kind of stay centered and focused and breathing techniques to try to slow the pace of the shock because it was it was immense. Um, but I in that moment of clarity, I uh, relocated my left ankle, which had I not re uh, relocated that ankle, um, I was told that it would have swollen and possibly uh, the, the uh, blood flow would have been cut off and it could have then died and it could have needed to be amputated. So that was all on the table, but I was able to uh, relocate that. And I tried the other ankle and it was clearly not the same. So uh, they got me to the, to the ER and I was able to kind of stay, uh, stay in good uh, spirits. Um, once again, it, I think it goes back to that acceptance of what is. And when we, when we do that and we're not creating illusion for ourselves, we're, we're able to, um, to move through uh, things that could um, prevent people from healing. It could prevent them from um, being in, in reality of what is. And so I, I just realized what it was and kind of moved into that. But I was able to tell my surgeon um, before we even went in, I understood why this happened. Um, and I had the realization that the business partner that I'd been working with, that we'd worked together many times before, uh, many lives before, I feel. And I wasn't taking the step to, um, to be kind of independent of that. It was a relationship that was maybe kind of pulling me um, back and not allowing me to move forward. And I wasn't taking that step and kind of carrying somebody else along and kind of giving them the fruits of the labor that I had been doing. And just with that realization, understanding that what I needed to do was to be more uh, in truth to that and, and alter the business in a way that just made that um, equitable, first of all, and, um, and for each party to kind of realize where each of us were and what we were doing and, and uh, I think with that realization right there, that that altered the healing, the course of healing, because mm -hmm. of, of course, understanding why we had the accident, what it was going to do if I didn't switch and making that turn. And this is all before this is all within hours of of it happening and before I was even in my first surgery. So I recognized all that before. 
So, and not, and I have to clarify, not every accident has, you know, these sort of esoteric purposes around it, but this was part of your healing process was recognizing the circumstances around that. Yes. And that's so, that's so huge to have those recognitions so immediately. And to think about the ankles being our pivoting point, the next steps forward. Yep. Yeah. Like you said, not, not every uh, accident or some things are just accidents and some things just happen. But when the energy was already there and I already knew it, I think that that's, it was ripe at at that point. The the Mm -hmm. fruit was there. It was ripe. It was ready to be picked and I did nothing of it. So, you know, when we don't, when we don't realize these things spiritually, then they, they come down mentally they come down emotionally and then they seat physically and it could be dis-ease and it can be accidents and it could be many things and if we pay attention to all those things you know our body is our tool and it allows us um uh, kind of an understanding an intuitive path forward um, a clarity that if we just listen and we trust it um our life is much better and we don't have to have those kinds of accidents. We don't have to have illness. There's, you know, many things, but, but making that recognition, I think that that just, that altered it. And so I was able to have my surgeries. And when I came out, I already knew what to do. I was using Reiki like a madman uh, in the hospital. And I was Mm -hmm. speaking to my cells and speaking to my body and um, doing a lot of visualization where, you know, I have recognition that my body would never be the same. I, I am a new person um, physically and will be from that point and forevermore. But what I asked myself to do is to um, heal in the best way possible, uh, as close as I could back to, you know, physically what I could do before. Um, and I worked with that every day. I worked physically. I worked mentally. I worked emotionally. And I was able to, um, this happened at the end of May, like 28th of May, I was able to, um, I was out of the hospital in a week. Um, in four weeks, I was, um, sitting behind my drum kit again, because I was, I was kind of worried that maybe I wouldn't be able to kick my drums and, and all that, but I was able to get back there and that was therapeutic. I had a, a bicycle, Um, on a stand. Mm -hmm. And I did a lot of that and uh, was able to read and ride. And, and so physically getting very active and um, within six weeks of the accident, um, I was uh, using acupuncture uh, to remove, and I, I only needed three sessions, but three sessions removed all pain from my ankles. And at that point, then I started standing, um, even though they told me not to, Uh, I started standing and moving and, and within eight weeks, um, I went to my first appointment with my, uh, my surgeon and I walked in without crutches, without boots. Um, they took pictures of everything at that point and were completely, uh, amazed at the, uh, they said they've never seen anything like it. The type of accident I had no pain, no, uh, uh, no scarring, uh, the, the tissues and the ligaments and all that, um, flexible, 
um, total rotation, you know, and I could have been in a wheelchair. They, they projected I could have been in a wheelchair. I could have not been able to walk. I could have all these things. I, you stuck a 26 foot landing that's right. and relocated your own that's foot. Right. I mean, you, you said, you said it was such cool detachment, you know, I mean, cause this is your story, but I am constantly amazed with the sense of presence that you had in crisis and that by doing this work and being willing, I mean, that's what I'm hearing is like, I am willing to do everything that it takes to participate in my healing process. But you didn't, you know, you didn't just like, oh, I'll just heal it myself here on the ground. Like, of course, you had to have surgery. Absolutely. Of course, you needed medical care. Yeah, there's, it's a miracle. Yeah, you, you know, Diane often says you can't throw the baby out with the bathwater. And so, you know, it takes all things. And my bones were literally broken and they needed to be set so that they could grow back together in the best way possible. So utilizing, I think utilizing the Western medicine and the Eastern, um, understandings of energy work and, and, uh, you know, I think putting those two together, once again, I, that draws us back to our, um, some of the opening statements of dualistic thinking. We're kind of in a moment now where we, we've been very polarized and it's getting it, it rather extreme. And if we could, if people could move to a place that you know, if I could accept that one person's uh, polarization, maybe it feels um, abrasive because it's kind of opposite of where I'm at. But if we could see it, see ourselves on a circle, um, we're two points on a circle that are across from each other, like polar, um, polar opposites. But if we just move um, in a direction to move up, we're already halfway to each other. You know what I mean? So the point is, is I hadn't thought of it. That we're, way. we're not yeah. far from each other, but what it is, is we're we have a perspective that is opposite of each other, which in a dualistic world, that's what's going to happen. And, and it's, it's beautiful be, because I'm able to um, see a perspective that I wouldn't get naturally because naturally that is not my position of perception. But as we work together, this is what spirit is asking us to move into is the, co- the combining or the integration of the two hemispheres. And so it's the hemispheres of our brain to be, become an integrated um, uh, person, you know, our, with that into integration then comes infusion. You know, once we're able to integrate the two poles to work together in one and we we move to the egg or to the the place that anchors the the lowest piece of of soul before it seats then we're to that point where we are able to infuse that into the into the energetic body that's around us and the world is doing that the same i was going to put this back so we have a western understanding of medicine that is very clinical at testing. It's very good at, at looking at these numbers and very hard like that, but, but they're not very um, prescriptive in the way that it's like, okay, well, we can do these things and prevent all of that stuff. So we don't have to treat the, the symptoms. We can be preventative and do things that 
allow those things to never arise. And when we can put those two together, because we can look at somebody and say, okay, we've tested you and we, we see all these levels and things. And then the Eastern philosophy would say, okay, these are the things you need to do to back yourself back out of the place that you are now. And so that, that is what the world is literally doing right now is we're taking these two poles and we're trying to then integrate them together to work as one. And it's going to take some, some time, but we're on that precipice and we're moving into that, I believe. That's a lot to take in. And I appreciate you sharing your perspective on all of these things. And I know you have to get to band I do. I got to go create. Because your feet, your feet still yeah, work. Yeah, they do. And... They work great. <laughs> what a gift. I just, I love people so much. So that was a Capricorn's perspective. Um, I do want to touch into to something that Dustin talked about, the, the four perceptions or the four gifts is what he called him. That was just a, like 15 minutes into the interview. Um, the four faces of self is, the, is kind of the perspective that um, our teacher uses in discussing these kind of Jungian archetypes that um, she took to another level. I think the, the I Am movement, if I'm remembering the right name, um, also use these these four perceptual gifts to help make sense of things and if you study astrology you might be familiar with um you know the psychological archetypes um, applying young's four perception pieces into the elements um uh, psychological astrology by karen Han uh hummaker zondag she's a dutch astrologer she's still around if you want to look her up um but in, in this perspective, the way that our teacher uh, taught us the four gifts is it's just another form of your personal makeup, right? So you have an astrology makeup, you have a seven ray makeup, which I will invite someone on to talk about the, the seven rays. Um, it's an esoteric tradition from the Bailey material. And um, the four faces. So you have these four gift perceptions that we all have. Thinking, feeling, visionary, and prophetic. Um, so I'll break these down. Like the word prophetic would be, it's also known as knowing, the knowing gift. Um, so it's not like a pro, you know, prophecy or, you know, I am a prophet. It's not labeling it that. It's the way of perceiving information from a larger umbrella perspective. It's like the big picture without the details. And then you have the visionary, which is... Um, you know, very like, I, I see the path and I'm going to move through it. The thinker who has to, to think their way through the process and the feeler who sort of absorbs and knows the bigger picture and the details. It's a very um, great perceptual property to have. And we have all of those, those gifts inside of us. And without getting into like, you know, the, the down and dirty gritty of it. Um, maybe we'll just do a whole episode on the four faces. I think that'd be great. But, um, by working through these perceptions and not polarizing yourself one way or another, you know, if you're overthinking or if you're overfeeling or overknowing, it can be polarizing. You can be total, total dits and, and it's like, you know, what's going on, but you act like you don't know what's going on or you're not really grounded, um, or you're over controlling or, uh, 
you know, it, 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 overthinking things. So um, I think that they're really great in helping to understand the self. So uh, if you want to hear more about that, uh, just DM me. <laughs> I will get somebody on here to talk specifically about the four faces um, or I'll go deeper into it myself. Anyway, well, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, as always, I appreciate you making time for yourself um, to listen in and receive this information. Uh, I always have the intention of it being for the greatest good, for the greatest amount of people. So I appreciate you. I know there's a lot of information out there flying around. And uh, this is pretty unglamorous. You know, like I don't have high production quality. I just am hanging out with my dog, <laughs> talking into my cell phone. Um, but I, I hope to continue uh, providing great content that supports you in your personal spiritual process and understanding yourself better. Um, you can find me on Instagram at Lauren K. Hickman, uh, my website, energyinterpreter.com, uh, here on the podcast, Inspired Astrology. Um, please like, subscribe. If you love this content, please let somebody know about it. Um, it's such a pleasure, such a gift to be able to provide this information. And if you feel inspired, um, feel free to send me a tip. I love tips. They help me feed my dog. Um, <laughs> uh, at Venmo, Lauren K. Hickman. And on PayPal, l.k.hickman at gmail.com. Comments, questions, feel free to reach out to me, either on Instagram or through my email account. Um, I would love to uh, interact with you in that format. Uh, So until next week, stay inspired.